Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate Venus Blissful! After what, baby, come on! There is rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur bosses? God put those here to test our faith. Damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share. I am here with an epic group for an epic roundtable to discuss all of the lost history we've been digging through in the past few years and what it's all come to. And is there a conclusion yet of any of it? Or have have the things we uncovered only led to more questions? So here it is. We have Matt from the Great Deception podcast. We have Andreas Exertus with us. We have Casey Watson. We have Jeff from Shadow Band and Shane from I Knew Some, but I didn't know it all. What's going on, everybody? What's up, man? What's up, man? What's up, brother? It's great wild. to see you guys. This is a pretty big power band you put together. I'm pretty impressed. Hell yeah. It's a yeah. super group. You guys, only a couple of <laughs> a couple of us have the hair, but it's all right. Hey. <laughs> What are you trying to say? <laughs> you got the beard though, bro. All right. That's oh, yeah, yes, yeah. So how's everybody doing? Good, man. It's good to see a bunch of familiar faces. Uh, I know, I know Matt, I know Shane, obviously I know Andy. Uh, who's this gentleman here? Casey, Casey, Casey I, feel, so, I know your name, but I, I can't, I'm, I'm having trouble. Have you heard of Golden Gate Starfort command? <laughs> I feel that- like I have. Yeah. I feel like follow him on Instagram. I'm pretty sure. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I follow <laughs> yeah. you on Instagram. That's probably what it is. And obviously Exertus, I, I haven't met you, but uh, it's great to see you. We're, uh, we're meeting now in the future. It's happening yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I love bringing all these nice people together. Casey, why don't you start kick us off here? Let's give the audience a little refresher or back, you know, a little background into what you've been looking into and how you've been doing. Uh, I've been good, man. Just, trying to survive in this fucking matrix madness we got going. Um, I don't know, the, I, the, the latest thing I've been digging into the last hard, at least the last few days, it's been like, it's, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge one with, so it's, it's kind of daunting to take, but I've just been looking in the whole waterworks, um, the New Deal um, dams, damming reservoirs, all this shit. You know, they're burying their cities and mines being buried underneath these reservoirs. And not only are they failing, 
the reservoirs are failing just because they fucked with nature and diverted a river and created a, a man-made lake that's not refilling itself anymore. Um, it's revealing all this shit that people like even the mainstream don't even have answers for. So it's just really interesting. And there's lots of implications, I think, that ties into all of this stuff we've been getting into. Oh, hell yeah, man. Every little topic just ties into the bigger, bigger fractal of it all. <laughs> for sure. No, I mean, for sure. Like, you know, like if you're in the secret space program or Sasquatch <laughs> or Tartaria, like the bottom line is it's all the bottom line is that we're being lied to, you know, so there's we all have this common commonality you know see but i've learned how much i like lies that's like so for, for, so somebody somebody came in my discord uh or matrix because we have bridge suits on either way so i'm not sure which one they came in through but then they said i posted like 100 things in like a, a few days so i was really excited about a bunch of stuff i found and someone said who cares and i was like are you a nihilist i wasn't sure which direction to go with the the answer to that because a lot of people care i mean i know the soros and the rothschilds care i know a lot of my friends who want to be able to manifest and control their own destiny care about the the mechanisms of control that have been set up around them but it becomes more of a question of do you believe that you can make any changes to your reality and also why does it matter what is it, how does this information make it possible for you to change your reality right so part of the, the question becomes um if you can take a story that's a lie and find some truth out of it then all of a sudden you know something more so it's habeas corpus so for example i did a video on on stanford recently how they built the stanford university and why they did it and it's kind of a conspiracy in and of itself and then they didn't i didn't really talk about this part yet but they killed the wife of Stanford. And once she was, you know, in charge of the university and she was a widow and her son and her husband was dead, she was poisoned. And then she vomited it up and then she poisoned it, was poisoned again. And then so then she was killed and they kind of did away with all this because the control of the community, not just the school, was in control of a few hands. So they got rid of the owner of the university. But the reason I'm saying this is because now I can prove that there really was a Mrs. Stanford. I now know that there definitely was this person because they murdered her and they lied about it. And so the lying about the body becomes the way we find the truth in so many of these stories throughout history. Big time. <laughs> and I, the, I, I feel like, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Casey. I also take like a great liberation in, in like, you know, knowing it's a lie even, you know, like that way, you know, um, you know, we don't have to base our fucking lives off what these people tell us, you know, like it's just a liberation of that whole system, that whole shitty society that they've forced us into. And like, it's a great, to, like, you know, it's like, fuck it, man. Like, it's time to take control. And like, like you just said, like manifest our own destinies, you know, and take control it's crazy lives. how much of it you know so we have media control all of our lives we see like everything we're we're they'll have the president reading something that the cia had put into the washington times we have people laughing about whatever issue has been written into whatever tv shows that they've been able to make popular but it, we've seen also shakespeare i did a video recently with alexander war all on how shakespeare was created by the devere uh, institute the rebel society and how there was bacon involved and there's the queen of england has king james eventually take over because the scottish freemasonry is starting to manipulate the royal house but also there's connections to uh thomas knoll and thomas knoll was a tutor um a, a tutor and a tutor and he was teaching these kids how to think in these ways that have been popular humanism theories in like greece and, and rome but also in carthaginian uh, re, you know nomadic 
areas that now we call Formosa in Taiwan. So these are the stories of Tartaria. And you start to see these stories of princes and these different families that have been manipulated and turned. And they, but it's also 420 words invented by Shakespeare. And you see how people used to speak like Danish people in Beowulf right before they completely manipulate and create the new language. So it's interesting to see how resets have happened before. People keep saying in mainstream culture right now, this is the great reset. Maybe it'd be better to call it the next reset right. and in order to refer to the resets that we've been through before. But it's still amazing how much we, we can find of because there's five tutors to 500 royals who seem to run everything. And they're from the same, it, this is the earliest era of globalism that we're seeing because there are people from Holland that are running Taiwan, right? Mm. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Exertus, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. It's been a while since you've been on. And uh, I know that you wanted to come on and specifically talk about like codices and stuff like that as well. So that's going to be great. They'll add to it, of course. Oh yeah. So, uh, Jeff, Mr. Shadowban himself, how the hell are you, brother? I'm doing pretty good, man. I appreciate you you hitting me up to come on here for this. I haven't been doing too much research into the uh, old history thing lately. I've been kind of digging into some other things. Actually, it's not entirely true. I'm doing a bunch of research for, like, dinosaurs didn't exist oh. uh, currently. But, yeah, I'm stoked to get into this, man. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure these guys are going to blow my mind. But I might, I might be able to throw a little bit in here. Um, <laughs> so, you know. on a quick side note here. Have you discovered if dinosaurs did or exist or not? Man, it's like one of those things. There's no way to know for sure, but I mean, it's still history, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But the more I dig into it, the more, uh, you know, it seems fishy. All the whole, the whole evolution thing. Just, I mean, it's already been fishy. But the more I mm. dig into it, the more I'm like, man, this is definitely not what we're told for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards dinosaurs aren't real right now. Ask yeah, me tomorrow. Dragons, but, dragons, yeah. Yeah, dude. Back, right? Yes, I was just gonna say my That's wife what I was gonna turned say. me on there's, to that. Yeah, there's more evidence of dragons than dinosaurs. Yeah. It's so nuts, man. And yeah, and they've always been that mythological uh, style to us. They just had to adapt it into the dinosaur. It's so. And do we think now that like dinosaurs had or dragons had feathers or something? Who? Yep. All right, that that yeah. is a different part of history. We're not probably going to focus on tonight, but nonetheless. <laughs> well, Maybe well, it's an interesting, oh, it's but the interesting in thing, gotta... yeah, now we have to <laughs> go ahead, Matt. Yeah, it, the interesting thing with the dragon, though, if you think about it, it's just basically an eagle on steroids, right? You know, yeah. and, and 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 so you're taking the symbolism and you're just magnifying it. You're taking all that eagle symbolism and it rolls into the dragon, and and then you add fire to the mix, and that's a whole nother level of symbolism and and things like that. So. That's true. Yeah, fascinating so, for sure. It could definitely. Like, fit I, I had to say, fascinating for my buddy Ryan from Dangerous World. It's an inside joke because <laughs> he says it incessantly. Well, on it's my actually Monday the it was, It's the perfect word for it because a lot of the time, like in the Tartarian flags, you'll take something from west and something from east, a creature from either, and they'll combine it. They'll fashion it together and fascinate a flag that is a super creature made like a griffin is yep. part of one of the one of the giant bird like dragons that we are familiar with and one of the lizard like monsters from maybe north africa right yep. you know yeah that's did nuts. you guys see the video recently of a supposed griffin no what that this guy's like petting he's petting this oh, griffin yeah, it's this eerie looking thing with a you know a beak and it's got kind of like multi black feathers on its head and 
Yeah, it's supposedly a griffin that they've made in a lab or brought back, you know, brought seen, back in a lab. You've seen Chicanosaurus, right? Craig, Craig Venture started doing genetic modification and adenovirals to remove sequences because we it looks like what happens is out of mutations, it's lost its teeth and the beak is protruded. And that's why you have this, this jaw that's come out as a beak. But if you start to revert and fix these broken sequences, then teeth will emerge from chickens and feathers become more like fur. And we're able to actually turn on some of the more freakish features and bring back what we think of as this, you know, dinosaur dragon monster. Yeah. So instead of a beak, now they have like a, a canine, right? I mean, they have, they have teeth and they have the snout and yeah, it's, it, it creates a whole different level of adventure. That's for sure. And, and people always forget the birds are reptiles, right? Like right. so many reptiles are very strange. There are, there are warm blooded reptiles. There are, um, I've heard the name for birthing reptiles that don't just do eggs, but there's every kind of reptile. Yeah. And I mean, to tie it right back officials. in. Yeah. And government officials. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to, end, end to up tie it right reptiles. back in to the symbolism and everything of a reptile and, and, and all of that, it all fits together anyway, man. So dinosaurs aren't real. They were actually dragons. And then dinosaurs now the I want to go brand. Ever yeah. yeah. Seriously. Now Jurassic park seems lame. And now that <laughs> shitty Matt Damon movie, the great wall seems cool. Like what, how did that just happen? Yeah. Well, from what I'm researching, man, I, you know, I'm starting to think that a lot of it was giants. I think they're digging up giants and obviously they can't tell us it's giants. So it's, you know, they got to just tell us it's a dinosaur, man. They find a giant bone and oh, it must be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. We got to assemble it. Yeah, there's good. Can't. There's there's actually to be fair that makes a lot of sense because they can use the word dinosaur scientifically and not mean anything to do with reptiles or right. anything that we're familiar with the term. They can use that term to mean ter terrific monster on land at any right. respect. But there's also this idea of tiny bricks versus the giant bricks from that period. So that's mm -hmm. another question: is were there giants with smaller people working together that have been completely washed away? And that's another theme of, of uh, our mythology as well, that we had giants at the same time as regular humans. So it uh, beats me at that level. You know, I'm not sure. I've seen so much evidence for like giants or at least anecdotal evidence. But then on the other hand, I've uncovered or helped uncover like so many interesting plot lines that seem to suggest it was just much taller statured people like you and me. It just, it, maybe got bigger and bigger as we go further back or something, but it wasn't necessarily like on separate species or something. It was just that situation where, when uh, your enclosure gets smaller or something like that, which is an interesting idea. I don't know. Well, Beowulf in the original Beowulf, which is only like a thousand AD there. And it's a pretty crazy story. He has a reptilian dragon. He makes love with who's, you know, essentially, it's not just a dragon. It's a reptilian, beautiful person that has a child that's half Anunnaki or something right, right in the Scandinavian Beowulf. So even from the beginning, our idea of what makes this um, reptilian monster different, it's cunning and it's human-like, you know, in, in certain ways, which that's, I think, a big problem they're missing from the, the dinosaur narrative is it's just sort of this, um, this foolish creature, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other, the other son of, I forget the, the evil demon lady, but it was, uh, her son was a dragon. Yeah. Grendel, right. Or the second, no, the second yeah. son. Yeah. The second son. Ah, see, I, I, I'm going to have to, uh, get back into this, uh, classic literature because it's no, been a so long time. Dude, if, if, you, 
if you start checking out how weird it is, how many things come from one source, because mm. you've got this 15, 16 kind of Gutenberg period, everyone will read the same thing. And then dragon stories become abundant. But the first the first dragon story would be a Scandinavian story like Beowulf. And then, I mean, there are other ones. And then maybe you can compare it to the Aeneid and the Iliad. And the there's, there, are, there are definitely Greek and Hellenic, Hellenistic influences to Scandinavia. But those stories are still like J.R.R. Tolkien, 100 years 200 years after it was found in a fire and burned, he's the first one to translate it and bring out, hey, check it out. All of our dragon narratives come from this one monastery where they read Beowulf, you know? Interesting. And uh, yeah, I actually didn't know that Beowulf was a Scandinavian story specifically. Uh, I mean, I guess, it, yeah, it makes sense to me now that it's very Viking-like. It's super weird when you read like the book because you see how Shakespearean English has nothing to do with Old English. Like the way English used to be spoken before the Gaulish, um, who they're kind of like the, the French who had learned Latin or the Celtic who learned Latin. They're kind of, it's kind of like Ebonics. Like it's mm -hmm. not the same version of English or the same version of French, the same version of Latin. So these new words that came into English completely changed the language and you could not understand if you read it today you will not be able to understand what even though it's in english right so right right and uh this is something that i've been getting into a lot with my other podcast roots of creation talking specifically about box saga and uh so that's scandinavian source there and it's all about the language it's all about the sound system and it's all about manipulation at some point in history by someone who knew the root language and was able to use that information to manipulate it. I mean, that's really the story that we always hear, no matter what, if, no matter what the topic, whether it's language or something else, it's always the ones that know something and use it against the rest of us or something like that. Well, and that's symbolism too, right, Andy? I mean, that's, that's their whole game. I mean, look around you, everywhere you look, there is a symbol. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I was talking with uh, NY Patriot last night and, and Moral Bob and Oddman oh, nice. on a, a little show that we do every every couple weeks. Uh, and, and we were talking about that, how, you know, logos are just sigils. It's 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 a magical spell you're putting out there and, and it has intentions. And you look at, you know, from the colors and all the way up through design you know, uh, symbolism, symbols, lettering, letter styles, Slogans, font, everything. Yeah, build back I mean, better, of course. <laughs> well, <laughs> new and, world and order, notice. new world order. That's a fear thing that you say it enough times, you know, and oh shit, look, it's it's happening. Oh great. <laughs> well, and, and this all goes back to Bolshevik training because if you notice all the slogans that they use nowadays, they're very short and easy to remember. Because if it was anything difficult, you can't expect a simple population to be able to remember that. So you, they're just going to give you very simple catchphrases, like you're saying, new world order, build back better. Black well, like you said, they're, 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 they are sigils, so they have to be designed to make you manifest what they mean. So you, and they have to be simple. Yep. You, yeah, you, you're really, it's really Euclidean math. They're trying mm -hmm. to set it up in a way. Mm -hmm. They used to do these commercials when I remember in the 90s, or not even commercials, sitcoms would have in them the Seven Up logo backwards, or they would say Cola Coke backwards or something. So that when you saw it, you'd say, What is that? Oh, that's Coca Cola, or that's, you know, Pepsi. It made you manifest and realize what the thing was about. So, so, so often they're trying to get us to do the psychological work in order to make it come true. Thank <laughs> you.
Well, yeah, and that plays okay. a mind trick on you, right? Because in reality, we see everything backwards, you know, the way our eyes work and everything. So to have to reverse it, not only do you have to see it, you then have to comprehend and process it. So yeah, it's another layer of programming that they've, I mean, they've just become so good at this stuff about, you know, being able to subtly manipulate your emotions without you even knowing it. I mean, 90%, 90 to 95% of people are being, you know, being programmed and have no clue it's being done to them. There's 5% of us that know it's being done to us. And there's not really much we can do. We see it, but we avoid it as much as possible. But it's inevitable because it's, you know, we're talking hundreds of years here. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I know that we're kind of sticking to the 3D realm tonight and history and everything, but, you know, it's all kind of fractal. And, and this is just how they operate on every level. You know, they do it to our uh, to us on a historical level. They reset our minds. And then, of course, they brainwash us. Literally, they do it on so many different levels to cover every angle, because obviously we need this much effort done to us to uh, actually accomplish their goals of hiding everything but it doesn't seem to be working as well as it used to to me that's another fractal because it seems like we as a people on a cultural level or a worldwide level are kind of undergoing a sort of uh, psychoanalysis of our own self as a collective and what does the you know that's what when you start digging back into your past finding out the roots of your patterns and things like that so it seems to be erupting out of this planet without their consent so what do you guys think about that do you think we're actually ahead of the game do you think we're actually covered getting some ground covered or do you think we're still running off into so many different rabbit holes that i mean specifically with history man shit used to get older and that was controversial, then shit wasn't as old and there was time added in possibly. And so I just want to get my head around where we are right now. Bro, at, gas you know, the beginning of 2022. Yeah, that's where we are. Oh, shit. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Uh, so it's still I'm, about oil, right? I've been so right? <laughs> all day about that. That's just my whole day is just Seriously. been that. I'm just like, ah, oh, sucks. I don't think we're winning if that's what's happening. And that's maybe true. maybe not just that, but also the fact that people are so happy to pay because they feel like they're contributing to whatever is going on. That's scary. I mean, ratings are up on inflation. On you know, the demographics are saying this is a good thing. So I would say I don't know. I, and maybe also, I one of the reasons I thought it was interesting to talk to you tonight was because. People don't even remember that Ukraine had a crisis in 2014. They don't even know <laughs> what I post some pictures of the war from six years ago and say, oh, yeah, wait, this isn't from right now, just to see how it messes with people's heads, because they have no idea that this has happened and what's going yeah. on or our That's connections true. to it or who we finance and backed and why people who were on television and why they were on television get to be leaders of countries now all the time right exactly the yeah. leader back then the, the the president of ukraine back then was uh you know acting in films he was he voiced as addington bear point. he played well you, you know bear. you know what's ironic too yeah, is I mean, is right before russia invaded is uh rush but right before russia invaded the president who took over in 2014 was being charged with treason in ukraine 
So, right, right. you know, yeah. that por- Poroshenko. So this coup and, then, and this is the same time as the Egyptian crisis, right? It's the Egyptian <laughs> nuclear <laughs> crisis. By the way, they're finding uranium in 2013 in the same uh, place that they have the U- Egyptian crisis. They find new, uh, usable, attainable new uranium deposits in Ukraine as well around this time. So it always comes back around the uranium one deal. And so the uranium one deal is our deal with Russia. That wasn't Ukraine's deal with Russia. So, I mean, every, every single thing about this, the bio lab, especially, it's another Wuhan situation where we're like, oh, we don't want the Russians to find out what we were doing, not because we're afraid the Russians are going to use our sinister weapons, but mainly because if the UN finds out about it, we look really bad, right? Like, I mean, offshoring our, our, our bio warfare to Ukraine doesn't look very good. So it's a bummer. <laughs> Well, and this and the thing with that, too, this goes back so far, you know, historically, this region. I mean, you look at this region historically and it's been at war for as long as anyone can remember. I mean, yeah. and, and this goes back into Tartarian days. You know, this this land used to be part of Tartaria. I think if you look at Ara- the Arata civilizations older than Sumer and so the A-R-A-T-T-A and that's that's in Ukraine and then beyond that there is the uh, Glasnitsa tablets talk about trade so in the areas that we found the Glasnitsa tablet we find records of them dealing with Ukraine Ukraine was a Polish city you know Retoris Bulba and it gets claimed because the Cossacks get conquered by the Poles. So there's a contention there because they're saying that the city was not Polish, but that it was Tartarian because the, the, the pejorative at the time became Cossack, which now is the nationalistic term for like a Chechen really. But at the time it was Tartarian. So looking more and more, yeah, there's, there's plenty of evidence that this region was when Moscow was nothing, right? Moscow was a place that they moved to in 1000 AD or something. Kiev was already huge, and and every and lied in every every city in the area. Like leave these were um, infrastructure rich places that had electricity, and we know this now because the Arabs brought the electricity, and we have all the records of the camera obscura and the technology that made it across. So you know, it's I think finally okay to say that. I think maybe two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say, oh, we know that there was electricity a thousand years ago, but we do, we do, we know now, and we can see plenty of evidence of it so of course they want to take that region but there's also natural we call them reactors so oklo was i think the first one they discovered in the 70s there's another one that they're discovering that's underneath um the the, the church of saint seraphin i think is the correct title in the ukraine and the Pripyat region but they're saying oh these are natural reactors why because certain amounts of depleted uranium were found that had to have amounted to about six bombs worth six weapons of you know giant nuclear bombs worth of uranium would have been uh corroded so the only way for that to have happened is if these 16 reactors that they found in Oklo were the same were the same as reactors that we have today that have been broken down how could that happen well maybe a volcano magically made this appear right because how could there possibly be this ancient nuclear reactor let alone 16 of them let alone other sites of them that we find in Pripyat but But so that that seems that seems to be coming up more and more as the 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 interest in the nuclear angle. I mean, if gasoline keeps going up in prices, we're not going to continue. We're not, we won't be able to continue the propaganda by the oil ministries that nuclear is dangerous. Exactly. We're going to have to admit totally. that it's safe. And so it's time to are. bring back the air. It's just the way in which we've been utilizing it and powering it. And, you know, the, the way that the nuclear plants that that melt down and fuck up everything and ruin lives 
it's a bad system and there's a better system that exists have you and seen it the, physically uh, exists have you seen the uh, what's that called the pi um not piezo the uh, feral feral fluid meltdown reactors so I, they literally melt down because they're, they're held together through electromagnetic current yes. and when then, then if it breaks it just turns back to liquid and it melts down but then it won't operate ever right so it's safe you know yeah man and they have uh nuclear uh nuclear power plant facilities like or at least one that was like a prototype and it's not utilized at all and it would recycle uh the waste up to four times back into generation and it's just it would be a world-changing game changer but of course you know all the propaganda and this probably goes back forever i mean you're the what you're talking about and what what's going on right now oddly enough makes and you you mentioned Pripria, and it's like what's up with chernobyl I mean, that's more recent history, but now it's starting to make me think, well, well they love manufacturing it, disasters. It was, what kind yeah. of disaster was that? Yeah, so this is a great, you know, <laughs> so we're so used to using this Eurocentricity thing to say, oh, wow, America was, we did manifest destiny. These people had teepees and didn't know what they were doing. Right, and then we look yeah. at Tartaria okay. and we're like, hey, actually, Europeans in England, especially, lied about this in the 19th century. Same thing with Americans in Russia. So we'll always say Russians are terrible at stuff. Somehow they built a nuclear power plant because they, they photocopied ours and they read it backwards and they didn't know what they were doing. But no, that's never how that actually happens. And the Russians had a really great thing going for them all until this president who was an actor who was married to a witch who had an astrologer wife uh and friend uh, joan quigley was the astrologer for nancy reagan i'm not talking about reagan um they chose to <laughs> do this nuclear uh explosion on the eclipse of pluto so i mean it's either the most awesome coincidence for the cia in all history or they chose to, and there's all these documents that show that they chose to have men drop out of planes, land on the ground, kidnap, and take over the lives and identities. I mean, this is beyond credit card identity fraud. This is CIA identity fraud. So they'll take over the lives of these Russians because they're Russian trained. You've got people born in the United States who spoke perfect Russian, you know, because they're in a town of people that left the Romanov family. So they'll come down and then they end up in Ukraine, where it doesn't matter if you speak perfect Russian because they're Ukrainian. So they end up running these Soviet power plants and they're in charge of people. And then they say, hey, blow it up. And they blow up and then they say, blow the second one up. And then they're like, we can't. And they're like, do it or your family die. And they say, blow up the third reactor. And then they say, we're not going to. And like, well, I'm going to kill your family and you're going to get sent to a gulag. Like, we don't care. And so that's why only two of the reactors blew up because the Soviets tried their best to stop what was the craziest espionage act of that month. Because by the way, this isn't the only time the United States or some other MI5 involved government agency has manipulated and destroyed a power plant i mean i think japan had a, a crisis during Fukushima. well no i mean different. 1972 actually in japan there's a whole other one before the trilateral commission was created because george bush senior president of the cia before he had to retire into being presidency and take over for carter there's a lot of other stuff that we were doing to or we the cia were doing to clean up um nip democracies in the bud around the world right so this is again the same scenario has happened where they've controlled all this i think fernand um christina fernandez kushner from argentina is, who is the only person I think Putin follows on Twitter. Uh, she was the president during the time when she said Obama came down and demanded that we give Iran the, the Nazi science that the nuclear uh, reactor from the, the Humal reactor had been built so that they could build their own reactors for the House of Saad and in exchange for grain for oil deals. So 
every step along the way, we've interacted and interfered and tried to make it impossible for for people to survive, except for these small state sponsored citizens. So we're in like a Venezuela situation. And the reset's coming in a situation where we're going to lose all of our wealth. We're going to spend it all on gasoline, be happy we're doing it because we're helping some babies in the picture. And then from there, we're going to have free energy and free whatever in this communist super state, blah, 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 you know, the rest. <laughs> so um, let's, let's uh, step back and um, frame this in a Tartaria way. And, uh, you know, do we think that the Tartarians were like an evil one world government perhaps, or something like that? Or is it, I mean, cause it just seems like Tartaria and I've been saying it for a long time and many of us have that Tartaria came out of like nowhere it seems, but it couldn't have just come out of nowhere. Someone must've been talking about it, right? For 20 years. I don't know. What do you guys say about this? Yeah, I don't I don't think that evil is a good word, to be honest with you. And the reason I think this I, I think they were probably a good civilization if if we want to frame it in good versus evil. And I say that because the cover up of all that history, if it was you know, they don't want us to know about all the great things that was going on back then, you know, with with free energy and all the other stuff. So they did everything they could to wipe that off the earth. All the history of it, all the writings, all the tablets anything they could get their hands on, they just completely erased because if, if our civilization, not just now, but going back a couple hundred years, if we knew about all those things, we'd be in a totally different position. So I think that the Tartarian civilization or culture was probably uh, what we would consider like a great, I don't even want to use the word utopia, but it probably was a form of a utopia. Mm -hmm. Based. So the, I guess the only reason why I, because I mean, Jeff, you shared pretty much the sentiment that I had for a long time. And I still kind of have it. I, I'm wavering only because of the popularity of uh, corralling conspiracy theorists. Um, they love doing that a lot. And I just wonder if we're close to something that we're now calling Tartaria indefinitely and kind of boxing ourselves in. And maybe I'm just, maybe that's just cognitive dissonance on my part. I don't know. No, I have an intention. I, I, I'm going to rant. I'm sorry. Someone cut me off when they're ready. But here's the thing. <laughs> no, Tariq, man, I'm loving it. Tariq is Arabic for lin, uh, chronology of history, right? So a lot of what we're saying here has to do with the Arabic word for the, the, the history. And when we use the word medieval, medieval, even in Mason, they have the word measure in them. That's where this, this idea comes from, the middle and to find the milieu and what we're trying to look for. So on one level, there's a very general idea when we're saying we're looking at the tar, we're looking for the history, the, 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 the Linux file, the tape active record, right? There's all this idea of tar, um, but that's not the same as saying that it's this, this government that's being built in the last 200 years, because that's the thing that hasn't talked about Tartaria. I mean, we have records of Tartaria everywhere up until maybe 100 years ago. And then the Soviets get rid of it. The CIA get rid of it. The British start to hide it. They start calling it a fantasy. And then they say tarnation and then it becomes racist because it's associated with Spain and it disappears. But 1600s, you have books, you have codices, right? You have these codexes of, um, I think the, 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 the manumission records in 1066 start to talk about all these freed people that were Britons who had been part of this Tartarian uh, empire that had, had gotten rid of these regulations and also this idea that there's all these crazy animals that live in this place called Tartaria. I mean, everyone loves Tartaria up until it becomes this war with Manchuria. 
and the Manchurians start to hate on it. And then there's also the Khazarians. The Khazarians are in charge of Spanish caliphate. So in the 1600s, yeah, all of a sudden people start hating on Tartaria. It's up to you if you decide that you want to go with the people who've been in charge for the last 400 years. But I would tend to say that they've made enough mistakes. It's worth looking into their enemies. And if the Tartarians are their enemies, then we should we should wonder about that. Okay, I, I love I love what you're saying, man. And I, I think the way I want to kind of uh, go into this further is that um, let me say it in a different way. It's almost like, uh, do you guys feel like the bad guys just moved right into uh, to what was once Tartaria? Would that be a better way of saying it? Because they love to they can't create. Right. It doesn't matter what religion or not religion you, you believe in this the all these people seem to not be able to create they have to latch on to us or they have to steal and or kill and move right in is that kind of what we're dealing with yeah i think so absolutely i think they saved all the infrastructure that that still worked and they um you know said they built it and hid you know hid any of the actual like tech antiquitech that we talk about um inside of it and all the other stuff that is either fried or they couldn't use, they fucking demoed it or they fixed it up for an expo and then demoed it after or mm -hmm. had a World War One or a World War Two or a World War 1812 or Civil War and destroyed it one way or another. You know what I mean? Like very Terminator 2. You know, they just found <laughs> the arm. They don't know what to do with the chip yet, but they're working on it. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you you look at all the fires and destruction of the 1800s, mm -hmm. and it's just off the charts. So you know the ma just major city after major city being burnt. And I mean, it's like whether right? it's, it... yeah, Sorry. It, it's it's insane. It's 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 not statistically possible. You know, especially the scale of it. And then you go to 1871, and you look how uh, there was a fire in Chicago, Peshtigo. Michigan, uh, uh, Lower Canada, all, all burnt at the same time in different areas. And we're talking millions of acres burning in, in various areas. And they're saying it's just, you know, they said the Chicago fire started by a cow knocking over a candle, but no explanation <laughs> for the rest of the fires. Like, Those idiots. you know, so it's it's just this destruction, Andy, you know, there was this infrastructure here. Now, what condition was it in when they got it? That's that's kind of the question. Was it fully functional from the last cataclysm? Was it damaged and partially working and, and they could figure out some pieces of it? That's kind of where I am with it. I'm trying to figure that out as to what, what did they inherit? Yeah, um, yeah, me too. And what time period? Because, of course, we have the whole aspect of this this story, um, if you will, that that time could have been fucked with on a number of occasions. I mean, we know that the, the great plot of it is to hide our history, but then we have so many different threads of how much of it has been hidden, how much of it has been condensed or, or expanded. I've heard two polar opposite points of view of, you know, they're stretching things into thousands of years because blah, 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 or quite the opposite, you know, what's everybody's take on that? I mean, I've, I feel like so much, I, so much of our world is like from what's happened in the last 500 years that it's probably happened in the last 500 years was like this. I, I think it was a war with 
this Tartarian culture that we're talking about. And the victors are the uh, the uh, ancestors of these fuckers who are, you know, fucking with us now. Um, right. I, I just started line, losing right? my train of thought. I just started losing that's my okay. train of thought. Hey, that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I've got a bit. I, I think it's right, though. You look at 1666 and the fire of London, and then anything after that is, you know, new stuff. And you, anything you think of as anything older than that are all books we got out of a library in 1732 from a fire that happened from a library in 1666. So there's not a lot of proof that some of these books really came from before that, you know, they could have been completely rewritten at that point yeah well, and, it's hard to trust everything 100 percent. and that's sure. and that yeah and that's right after the jesuits are starting to really build up their steam and, and rewriting and, history and, Rosicru and rosicrucians and so there's a humanist movement too so yep. you mean luth so um erasmus i think someone was, was asking me about him the other day and he's an interesting character because he was a bohemian who went through italy and was friends with thomas moore and worked for the royal house and did his best to avoid poverty he went from being extremely poor to being extremely wit rich because he was working for the royals all the time but he wrote some of the earliest translations and the by translation of the greek latin bible and so the new testament before really the polyglot bible which was a little bit more correct in its this is another crazy thing about the bible at the time people thought jesus looked like baphomet because he had a donkey head according to writing in, on the donkey that was written into some of the versions that he had a donkey head and the story of saint christopher well saint christopher who's upside down in the crucifix has a dog head so and they fly and there's all this great superhero stuff going on in the bible with nicodemus's version they actually harrow hell you know jesus before easter has to go down to hell and get adam and eve out of there who've been suffering in like the last few issues of the series i mean it's a crazy different kind of christianity that they believed at that time right but then they start to say okay well we're going to remove these pieces of this story and this and that it might be reasonable to say this took centuries i can't be sure you look at the Fomenko timeline and it sounds like the crusades were several generations and if that's the case well then it does make sense i, I like matt's idea that there could have been you know volcanic um destruction of these nuclear power plants like i was saying and then they would inherit whatever they could hold on to because if we lost our civilization it would be really difficult for us to fight somebody who is uh, more barbaric right? right and i think that's what it sounds like happened is you have a bunch of nepotism people didn't know how to work after their and their automation falls apart and then there's some dudes who were mercenaries right and they seem to just take it but it seems like there had to be one nerd among the brutes though because they have to be led by that creative force too i would say or you just kidnap nerds right so like i think <laughs> like so in carthage in carthage they used to say okay we're gonna kill um most of your family unless you go into the front lines and kill yourself in front of our battle right and so we'll just use you and then some of them they'd say okay well you you can be used to read and to write and to and to tell these people they have to surrender so we'll mm. keep you around so i mean how many paper clipped scientists did constantine have i mean or how many arab uh traders bought berbers and bought europeans and vice versa right so there was always um astronomers and uh, they, they would buy people just because they were intelligent and to buy someone back then just meant I'm going to, you'll have a retirement plan. You'll have a place to live in the kingdom. So Damn. it's the same thing that's happening now, if you really think about it, but I, I got a little bit more of a black pill perspective on the whole thing. I think it's, I don't necessarily think that uh, the current parasite control structure inherited, uh, you know, things after whatever cataclysm may have happened. 
I think that maybe that they were the ones who actually built it kind of like what we have now, right? Like the parasite class has pulled all these strings to have us build this great society and all this awesome infrastructure that we have now. And now they're trying to push this, this great reset and they're going to, you know, whatever they're going to do and they're going to inherit the infrastructure again after this reset. And that might've been what happened last time. Maybe there was some parasitic hands behind the scene that built up the Tartarian culture had another had a, a great reset a few hundred years ago and the same parasite class instead of inheriting it they just you know they already had what they built they just got rid of those who built it yeah dude i i hate to say it but i really like that because it kind of uh it brings it it's like an occam's razor kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like it's just kind of a repeat and you know i i talk a lot about the cycles we we as humanity go through and it does seem like after that great height of spiritual freedom eventually comes around the wheel to the absolute opposite at some point so yeah and well and all those wars i mean even now right you see Russia now I don't know what's true and what's not but Russia's apparently just dropping bombs all over you know uh civilian populated areas and things like this is like are they really targeting a child hospital or are they targeting some ancient infrastructure that they don't want anybody else to know about that's going on and the same thing goes back or to bio the lab. wars or biolab yeah. right yeah that could be a thing but i I'm which could to think be that, from ancient war stuff like plague right. technologies yeah yeah i i think honestly that whole biolab thing is just kind of a psyop man after everything that's happened in the last two years you know you could just put the words biolab in a headline and everybody's <laughs> yeah. jumping right on it especially, especially us especially <laughs> us right what were they called before biolabs well, the they they in the 1300s they were they did have plague uh, factories and plague plague hospitals. There's a name for there's a good term for plague places where they invented plague. There's islands that the Italians uh, took over, which were for manufacturing plagues, and they would bring people with plagues to them in order to cultivate plagues in order that they could drop them on people. There is plenty of of evidence that they had the worst of biological warfare long before we started using it. You know. And that could have been how they did the first reset or, you know, the, well, the last great reset could have been started with some biolog, like the, the, the plague could have been part of this reset before. Have you heard that term, um, Vergeld? So like there's a term they used to use for the value of a person's life, you know, and they, they actually had like a calculated thing. Like if you're a Welshman, it's 120 shell. It's like 80 shillings if you're uh, unprosperous. And if you're a prosperous, it's 120 shillings. But if you're a king, it's like 30,000 shillings. And there's, and kings meant something different also when there were more of them, right? You know, there are more sovereigns. But if you start to think about how we've created values in terms of our social security and education and your payback for, I mean, we've completely built this state-sponsored slave state in order to make sure that no one else can have any sort of control over that. It's all monopolized by one legitimate source of violence, right? I mean, isn't that, so if anyone talks about this idea of we're, oh, we have monarchies and we have feudalism, is Tartaria that? I mean, it seems like what we have is that. Right. Fair enough. Well, I do think it is interesting. interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Andy. I would just, I, I do think it is interesting because I mean, we we do, we're, we're our own worst enemies. And like, I mean, if it could have been us powering their empire, you know what I mean? But I mean, hey, I, I know that there's a lot of positive to take out of what we've, what we're learning from Tartaria already, for sure. Cause it's well, not really a, the Tartaria it, it, story, it's the human story, it really is. 
Yeah, and, and there's two interesting things that I got out of uh, uh, talking with your buddy, uh, Emmanuel Kingman. Uh-huh. And uh, when we, we were talking about it, one of the things he brought up was the millennial reign. And I, I gonna, never thought of that. I was going to bring that up, yeah. And when, when you start tying that in with the timeline and, and you start seeing how things shift at certain points in time, if the timeline is correct, it, you know, that, that is something that plays a factor, I think, in this as well. Yeah, can we um, speak about that, the millennial kingdom at length? Because I'm I'm not as familiar as I would like to be, and I know Emmanuel talks about it at great length. Um, but I'm I couldn't give a good definition for it if someone put me on the spot. Does could so, could anybody else? So what he what, <laughs> I know what Jesus I got is out involved. of it from him, right? I, I can't I can't speak to it with any expertise, but you know I I did speak with him about it and and uh, read his article a couple of times. And basically what it is, is a thousand year reign, right? There's a thousand year reign of Christ. And then there's a thousand year reign of the Antichrist. Mm. And, but it's not a straight thousand years, right? You're going to transition into and out of. So you may get two to 300 years of transition into the millennial reign of Christ where things are going to get better. And then you're going to get that say four, three to 400 year reign where things are, per, you know, perfect. Everything's in harmony. Everything's working great. And then you, as you start to transition out of that millennial reign into the millennial reign of the Antichrist, then there's that two to 300 years where things just start to decline mm-hmm. to the point where then you get into the millennial reign of, of the Antichrist. And it's, two to 300 years of really nasty stuff. And then you get into 400, you know, three to 400 years of very, very bad times. And then after that, you got the two to three, you know, two to 300 years of, of things rolling back towards that range. So it's like a pendulum, right? Right. Right. It's like the procession of the equinox. If you guys are familiar with that. Right. Yeah. Go on. So, Uh, you know, thinking about that, like in, in the way he was timing it, the you know the the it timed out to like the 1770s or something like that so you take two to three hundred years from there and that's where we are right now and it's like okay so we're in one of those transition periods right now and we're talking about folks that know that this cycle goes on and on and so maybe this is kind of a source of um where a lot of the everything is fake stuff comes from, where it all feels like theater a lot of times. Not to say that it's not literally happening, but it does. It feels like it's because they're they're behind the curtain, right? The stages of events are kind of acted out. Yeah, yeah, and, well, and, again, that, and that gets back to, back to manipulation. The, the, yeah, and it gets back to the idea that everything's already happened, right? Mm. And anything that has it's already happened, and we're just in. That's what Shane. Cycle, I, or Shane, this. I think you were about to say with this idea of like the uh, astronomy and not just astrology, but astronomy that there is a cycle, but also yugas, right? Because yes. the what's the Devap the Devapari yuga is the next one, right? So after we get out of Kali, out of the material, it's the energy yuga, and so the energy yuga is post history. It's very Mayan. It's very uh, free flowing and very non uh, was a hi- was hyper 
Bollock and non-Newtonian. Dude, I it's really interesting that you bring that up. There's an incredible book, and I can't I'll butcher the author's name, but um he was um turn of the ninth the twentieth century writing this book called The Holy Science. And most of it is is connecting Christianity to Hinduism. Um, but the underlying uh bones of the book to build the rest of it is all about the parallels of the take on the time of Aquarius and the, the procession of the equinoxes and things like that versus the yugas and how we have this um, possible deception of when this uh, age of Aquarius was meant to happen and it could be happening right now. Right. And likewise, you know, back in 1901, this guy was writing about his his uh, conclusions about the yugas, saying that we are actually in the Dwapara uh, yuga instead of the Kali. But we're and just transitioning into it slowly. Exactly. That as, goes right back into yeah. what the Millennial Kingdom says now. I think about it. Yep. So that's really interesting how that ties in. Interesting. Yeah. And that's why I think it is. It's all connected, right? When you get when you get down to the base level of it, everything does play a little part in it. And as much as people want to say they know this is the way, well, you don't know anything. And the more <laughs> the, the, the more you dive into this, the less you understand it, because it, it just becomes more complicated. What I'm very curious about is how connected is Tartaria to Atlantis? Yeah. Is is Tartaria just, you know, outer Atlantis? Because they say Atlantis is more of a time period. Yes, it's a specific city of Atlantis, the Ring City. But then, uh, you know, also they say it amassed the earth. So that sounds like Tartaria. So, how, you know, how, how, how far are they connected? So great question. And so the best thing I've found in the years I've been trying to find out about this, and so my theory and I've been my hypothesis has been after visiting many a Starfort city like Mauritania, Spain, Portugal, South America, and looking at Starforts that I think Casey you've pointed out some as well, there are a lot of them that Starforts were Atlantis-like autonomous city-states and that this confederacy had to exist socioeconomically because otherwise it would have been in, in a single race having a single ethno state would have had a like J japan's edo period a specific look it wouldn't have been this ambiguous giant thing with certain kinds of harmonized values but it had to be that there were more of them so i figured atlantis was probably a city-state in tartaria that seemed like the most logical thing some of the works with blavatsky seem to suggest this but finally, the Vitruvian um, codices uh, in the Thomas Cotton Library. Now, the Thomas Cotton Library burned down, and so they have only the copies of them that have been saved on sheepskin in Britain. So what can you say? But these books do mention Tartary, and it's another thing. People are less likely to erase. So it's one of the lucky things that didn't get obscured, as under my opinion. I think they just left it there, and it was always there to begin with. But mm. it says... In these books, hey, these are the lands of East Tartary, which have been referred to with their great cities, like and including Atlantis. And there's also and, and Andreas, what time frame is this? This is so 1732 is the 
is the burning of the library. So anything after okay. that. But okay. technically, the codices is supposed to be from 1530s because 1530s is 1536 is when De Vere has uh, Tudor Thomas Knoll brought in from the house of Cecil. You know, Cecil has, has hired Thomas Knoll. And so he has worked with, and he can speak Latin and then speaks Greek and has been in Italy. And in, and so the, the likelihood of this being a, a legitimate document from the 1500s is very high. And I believe it probably is. But so in this, you can see all sorts of works talking about essentially what Marco Polo talks about, you know, and this idea that there are super cities, which is what one of the things that Marco Polo ripped off. And they say, you know, he, he didn't know about the wall, but he also knew that they had money systems where they could have noti notary uh, receipts, check bills, you know, instead of gold, they were trading dollar bills kind of a thing. So he knew about these intricacies of Tartaria, of the economic system, but didn't understand all of the intricacies. This other book that Noel had in the, in the codices that Cotton's library shows, shows records of super cities that are in Tartary and refers to them as very similar, these 23 mile ring cities and has drawings of them. So they're, they're, this is, I think, the best um, corroborative evidence that I've seen so far is, you know, from a 15th century manuscript that will say that Tartaria was Atlantis. But the other thing you have to remember is, you, I think someone said Utopia earlier, Thomas More had written Utopia. And Francis Bacon wrote New Atlantis, which is very, very much influenced by Utopia. And they're both talking about East of Tartary, that they'll build New Atlantis. So part of this is this idea that Atlantis is a term that they were using when they didn't know what they were talking about for the generation or two between Tartaria's fall and the seizing of Tartaria. Because so much of it became fantasy. They were like, hey, they used to be able to drive cars. Oh, hey, they used to be able to fly or who knows the levels of where trains become. But we now have these books where you see like um, Nash and Lily, you know, John Lily. They're talking about the, they had electricity, they had lights and pyramids with with illumination that we cannot describe the, the sources of sound in glass orbs sound familiar. Right. So mm. if they're talking about electricity and light bulbs and things like that, you can kind of get the idea that these are very similar concepts. So. I think Atlantis is part of Tartaria. That's my pitch. See, so, what 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 holds me up is that you either hear Atlantis was like thirteen thousand years ago, or two hundred thousand years ago. Okay, so there there is an answer to that too, which is the um, the Hindu and the, the 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 Vedic year. So the Vedic royal year is actually like seven hundred years. This is why the Veda looks so mm -hmm. much older than it really is, mm -hmm. because there's another metric of years which takes millions of, which is really thousands of, and so it's probably more like four thousand, right? Uh, or maybe six thousand, or four thousand four BC to two thousand is something like that, where there's the beginning of something, and the beginning of something is very different than the ending of something, which could be probably about a thousand years. I think this idea of a thousand years of peace before an Armageddon period kind of makes sense it sounds like we have all of these stories of hey there's going to be an armageddon hey and then we're like whoa there was that armageddon so maybe there really was an armageddon i don't know it's reasonable yeah uh i'm gonna bring up another dead guy uh have you guys heard of the author ignatius donnelly he writes about atlantis in the antediluvian world and stuff like that he's long gone now but it's very interesting and it's tying into a lot of the scandinavian tales that i'm hearing about atlantis with box saga 
Um, I don't know how familiar everybody is here with Box Saga at all. It's very controversial. It's weird. But the roots, the root language system, the sound system, dig into it because it will sell you on, on what's going on there. But um, when it comes to Atlantis, it's Altlantis, which translates to all land is ice or all land ice. And they describe this as a time period clearly the ice age that occurred to the northern hemisphere and that there is a place of course their place their story they talk about their home at the north pole and more and more as i look into ignatius donnelly's work and kind of cross-reference it with a bunch of other things it's starting to look like uh atlantis might have been this paradise in the north pole that's talked about and that these replicas or Atlantis perhaps was this Atlantic region and that many, many of these ring cities were popping up as we're talking about here, that from what I'm hearing in, according to the box saga, at least this uh, primal one was at the North pole. Well, those, and those sound more everything like the, is spread out. That's one's like Thule or Tahuli. That's like the, those are the supernatural lands of the giants, which are more, you know, those are where yeah. I've heard of stories of them being like magic and there's space. Time. Have you looked into box saga at all? Oh, totally. box saga is one of the most important things. Actually. Oh, um, interesting. If, if you, if you'd brought up Donnelly uh, last week, I just did my video on new Atlantis with bacon. Donnelly comes up because he was in Ooh. one of the first ciphers of the bacon uh, cipher codex. So when you start looking into codices, um, the box saga comes up because so much of this is about people that, by the way, they have lions on their shields. So clearly they've been yes. to Africa and they've been through Timbuktu. And Timbuktu was a university where people would show up that were like educated uh, professors and they would sign up to become students because it was the most advanced place in the world. And you'd have a hundred different scholars and scribes sitting there to learn how to inscript the, these new ideas and symbols so so much of how we look at every single letter you know the the the, yeah. the latin letters are reverse of etruscan letters the greek letters were designed from people that were trying to figure out ways of expressing symbols to people who had never read them before so if they could see this a thousand years later and it was a dead civilization how could we pick it up and read it so the box is our 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 most useful thing it's a codex but, for sure yeah but what's crazy about donnelly is donnelly was a senator so Donnelly was, a, he was a senator and I'm in, I'm in uh, Minnesota right now near Hastings where he was at. So the Hinckley fire happened, burned about 500 miles of Minnesota. The railroad company did this on purpose, wiped out thousands, ten, thousands of tribes of tens or hundreds of thousands of Indians. And then they completely rebuilt after a reset here. It was, it was uh, I think 1894, 1898 is when Donnelly ends up moving his way into politics because he's one of the first persons to say, hey, this was a conspiracy and a reset. So Donnelly's really important in a lot of crazy ways to this. But I think one of the main things that people forget about him is that he'd written an entire series on other places that he thought of as potentially simultaneous Atlantises. He didn't think necessarily it was one or the other. He's one of the first people to say, hey, right, it looks like right. there's a few of them. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. he's not necessarily box saga, you know, waving the flag or anything. But yeah, just very similar to J.R.R. Tolkien. He was obsessed with the Finnish folklore and all these different theories and everything. So, yeah, they all and connect Frisia, together. Frisia, the the yes. lost island of Frisia where they think some of the original English language and the box saga symbols came from the Swedes. This connection between Anglo-Saxons and Sweden and Frisia, Swedes mm -hmm. don't speak the same language as Danish. Like Danish and Norwegian are really close, but Swedish is 
well far off. And then there's an entire region of Holland that doesn't speak Dutch that speaks Frisian. And everyone's like, what is this language? Right. 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 So do you guys, I mean, what's, what's the consensus here about something like the tower of Babel story? Are we thinking that this was like maybe an original reset? Maybe this was the first, the first fall or something like that. Any takers, any thoughts on that? I don't know. I go back and forth sometimes with the whole Babel situation. You know, sometimes I feel like it may have actually been a physical location, an actual monument of sorts. Uh, And then other times I think it's just a metaphorical story. Um, It's, I don't know. It's hard to tell, man, especially when you get into so much shit. It's like, you say, you almost feel like a fucking psychopath sometimes because you're just you know what i mean like you, <laughs> i know you, you believe one thing one day and the next day you're like no 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 no, no. It's the other that's why i like the sure. fractal perspective yeah. man because the fractal perspective makes it so like in some weird wacky way this historical shit was happening on a very human planetary level yet it's all it also happens metaphysically it's kind of like joseph campbell and the hero with a thousand faces where it's like these archetypes that just keep existing over and over again everywhere all the time so it's pretty cool well it makes me think that a, a lot of the history is is written after each reset and it mimics the previous history from beforehand and then right. you put so, manifestation into it. Right. And start so like, creating it, you know, kind of to go with like the, the whole ages thing. It's like, you know, we've been in this uh, long period where, you know, like monotheism is, is like the main idea for religions around the world and everything. And it, maybe before the last reset, you know, they had a whole different system going on, but it was still like written with the same, like blueprints just totally different stories and that's why you can connect different religions to other religions and people have all these you know oh look jesus was actually this guy and this guy was before him and so i I don't know it's hard to it's hard to nail down and say like something like the tower of babel is what it was said or if it's just like a recreation or a rewrite of some Mm. previous story from before and it can be both we can get real psychedelic with it man it could be you know the 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 downfall of the the self to the ego you know right. i mean we that's, can take it to any level we want right Jay? calm down <laughs> well and, and 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 look look at the word magic of it too right babble babble ramble and and then and then following that we were you know it went from one language to to multiple languages and and so there was no the king was nimrod yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's yeah. just to me, there's like there's the, the so height, many levels to it, you know. But those are ego. those are not to those don't take away because those can be like post phonological uh, connotations we've added to them. I, I like to. I went to the Berlin Library. Um, I think it's the Library of Alexandria. It's like all of the Babylonian pieces that they didn't bring to California. They brought to Berlin, and those are the ones that are or London. And those are set up on this wall, and you can walk around. You can see the model for what they think the original Tower of Babel looked like, and mm. it, they make it look really small. But it does look a lot more like, and I hate to ancient aliens, yeah, some sort of a flat landing pad at the top of a three spiral thing that you can bring a lot of things up around the thing. You can bring elephants carrying whatever to the top of this flat football field like place. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised if at least whoever built it really did believe they were interacting with superhuman or beyond human beings. We forget at this time how hominids were interacting with each other. I mean, 
if, if just now there are people that are still thinking Bigfoot is around, think about what it was like a couple hundred years ago or a thousand years ago when we're clearly the descendants of interactions and gene flow between multiple diverse types of hominids. So this was a time when there would have been a big foot, a small foot, a middle-sized foot, <laughs> and they would have probably been working pro and together in certain ways. It looks like that from the Egyptian lore. You have pictures of giants uh, who are kings with dwarves who are their oracles. So I think along the way, we're probably going to see that the Tower of Babel really was a thing in the sense that we tried to step outside of our bounds. Yes. And there are, there are all these, the fact that we still use, you know, not just Babel, but how about the sexadecimal numerical clock system since mm -hmm. Babylon? There's something about time that has seemed to be controlled from this moment ever since. So the mind- yeah, who decided on a second? And not, and not just not just who, because it was a consensus. Because you have Mayans who did it. You have Sumerians who do it. You have, again, the Ukrainian Arata civilization, the atomic clock is still using this. And then you have the, uh, the dog star is followed by the Papua New Guinea people. So right. people who are supposed to be completely, I'm sorry, but they're primitive is, is the way we're describing them, even though we know that they have technology that had to be far more advanced than stuff we have today. But we know that there was the Bay of Pigs and we know that they gave... Uh, diseases to pigs and drop them off on islands the Portuguese did before they came the year later to hunt down people and turn them into slaves so of course we know that we've uh, given brain parasites to cultures and or, or again with the we but it's happened Portuguese have done this and now there are places where there are barely any records left but we know that they came from a civilization at one point that shared these common beliefs that there were dragons that there's a 60 cycle number system that there's a twin sun um, and that we interacted with multiple kinds of hominids. Now, if that's not the most universal story, I don't know what is. Yeah, no, I so agree. I wonder that, and this is kind of off a little bit, maybe, maybe it's a little too off the deep end, but I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw, yeah, right. I don't Definitely. know if you guys saw like Amazon's uh, blueprint for their new headquarters and it's, you know, it looks like this tower of Babel situation. So like oh. what I'm thinking right now is, as you're saying all this with like time and like all this shit, to kind of also bridge in the ancient aliens thing. I'm not really a subscriber to that theory, but who's to say that there wasn't some ancient artificial intelligence that ran all of the previous civilization, kind of like we're in now, right? Everything's run by artificial intelligence. I don't think people realize that, but it's all run with supercomputers and artificial intelligence down to like your phones and the apps and the stock market and you name it. It's all being manipulated with this technology. Amazon's freaking artificial intelligence all day they're building their tower of babel headquarters so maybe beforehand it was uh, artificial intelligence that ran and designed and set up all of the systems for like a tartarian uh civilization well That's we're also pretty... getting getting into the anunnaki story because i mean it's really if you've seen the movie i robot with will smith i mean i robot is like literally the tale of adapa it's nuts go ahead andreas i'm just sorry you know me in. i'm just like ah no, like, that's so, fine. I just wanted to make sure I threw that in because that's it's fun. Asmov, <laughs> Asmov's key. But Jeff, what you're saying is, is, have you heard of Cynthia Sue Larson? You know the lady who's yes. from the Dollar Project. She's great. And uh, one of the things that she's talked about is how AI contacted her as a child. And there's a lot of precedent for how this is possible that electricity is able to break the uh, the loop as we understand it of time by cycling over and over again in order to contact the original cycle. So if something's turned on at the beginning 
it can contact from the very end whenever it was first turned on from. And we have this idea of those linear accelerators as reset gaps that can go back if the world too far Berenstain's little crazy, but I like the idea because it connects with this idea of not being aliens, but these underground um, Agartha, uh, Telos, um, Shambhala, uh, Thahuli, all of these underground cities, they say that they're super advanced. They cannot interact with us or else they'll mess with and deviate our timelines. I mean, right. And then they're only able to interact with us in these very limited and obscure circumstances that are non-butterfly affecting. So uh, that's the case. It makes the most sense because if we did have a super futuristic civilization, it's like um, the term uh, Ninja Turtles, right? Where they have the Cosmodrome and it goes underground and it's safe because it's not interacting with us. That makes that makes more sense than something from very far away. Then right? you think about CERN too, right? And it's like, maybe that's uh, some way, I don't know. I don't know how it connects, but that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, I mean, if you, can turn, if you can turn it back to the first time it was turned on and maybe you can reset time. So maybe that's the, we're allowed to go back to the beginning of CERN or I guess there's also a Denver um, accelerator yeah, and China ones. has one. So there's a few set, there's a few um, plan Bs for that primer movie. Well, there could have been accelerators going primer. back thousands of years. I mean, for all we know, you know, if, if they've had, if we've had the ability to use like the geomancy, right? Like the, the grid of the planet or whatever you want to call it. Uh, who's to say there hasn't been some form of an accelerator going back a hundred thousand years. I mean, they could be underneath every major city. Absolutely. Or every volcano, like Oklo. That Oklo yeah, volcano time. is probably a linear accelerator. You know, for so long, I've been against the modern take on simulation hypothesis, mainly because I just feel like it's just been so heavily influenced by the sci-fi that's been thrown in our faces. And it just kind of parodies what consciousness is doing anyway. But now that we're kind of talking about this more in this frame, it kind of feels like both, right? Because they love to mimic what's already happening. So, and this is well, the same thing with how like things are feeling more fake and feeling really acted out. It's be it almost seems like this cycle is like losing its uh, popularity or so. I don't know. Something's going on where like they're really forcing it or something, or maybe that's just this part of the cycle. I don't know. It's, sim it's simulation versus stimulation, right? Because you can have an acid trip and it's a stimulation. So you can have, and that, that's better in a way because it means that there really is something that you're misunderstanding. You could be completely right. wrong about what it is, but it's, it's here the there. whole time. <laughs> but simulation is like, oh, it's kind of like when Columbus uh, is supposed to be able to kill Indians because they're subhuman or something. We're saying this is an NPC, so we don't have to really care about them. That's dangerous, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. What even if you just look at advertising and like these corporations, like what, what their world they're creating for us to sell so we could buy their product, you know, like that's a uh, simulation in and of itself, you know, like no one knew they smelled until someone tried to sell them a bar of soap, you know, <laughs> and, like, and then someone tried to tell them you hear there's men's soap and there's women's soap, you know, like just the fact that we had, we believe that like, is a simulation in and of itself you know yeah they create so endless simulations <laughs> yeah I'll admit, there'll the be there'll, there'll be moments when i'm outside or i'll look around for a second i'm probably not supposed to stop and smell the roses and i'll look at something and be like they they did not take a lot of time with this they did not program <laughs> they didn't render very many cars this is just my car six <laughs> times well, what's happening it's a haunted element well, Why is and, on, and on a very dense three-dimensional level man as a parent of a four-year-old trying to buy these like you know, remember these from the 80s? 
every one of these toys that I'm buying that I grew up with is dog shit. And you can complain about where it's being manufactured and how it's being made and why it's low quality versus what it used to be on a very economical level. I'm sure I get it. But on this other scale, it's like, what the fuck's going on to this this part of the cycle, you know what I mean? Well, everything's breaking, breaking down. down. Like, yeah, there's no like the, the your razor, that razor phone, it's a dull razor now. There's no more <laughs> of that. And this idea, I think that's one of the interesting things about getting China to build all our stuff. If they really are communist at all, then at some point they're not gonna want to have new cars all the time. And this is it. This is where all of a sudden you're buying a Suzuki used for 20 grand more than a than a new one because you can't get it. I mean, everything is breaking down to the point that you're not gonna see. Oh well, we don't have this anymore. Or they don't make it like they used to. That's that's everything. We're yeah, we're past. Dude. Yeah, I, think I say like I say <laughs> that every day, ten times about music in particular. I'm like, man, they don't make it like they used to, dude. And and you're we're and especially like Jeff and I are and Jeff Shane and I are in a metal podcast that we're kind of getting started called Horns Up, Horns and up. Uh, you know that's a theme that we should definitely get into on that show about how the simulation of what used to be authentic and amazing. We're hearing like, I'm hearing specific guitar riffs like regurgitated in a, a just a more polished, but shittier way. You know, it's just every part of it is breaking down as Andreas just said. Yeah. Be careful about throwing the devil horns. Cause everyone's going to take your, uh, Oh, I joke about that. Constant. I only do the shaka, bro. It's <laughs> only, you got a shaka, bro. It's all you get. <laughs> so, man, I get, I get heat. I get heat all the time. I got Baphomet tattoos on me from back in the day and all kinds of stuff. And people are always like, Oh bro, I don't know about you. And I'm like, whatever, man, you can think See, what but, you want, dude. Hey, Jeff, ninth, you know, it's great century. They would have thought you were the best Christian around. Well, that's so. what I'm saying. <laughs> man. And guess like, what, Jeff, know, before that man, box saga, the origin, the creepy, mysterious origin story is a ghost and a uh 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 oh fuck a monkey fucking to make the first human so yeah. you can be a very different thing in that perspective. and bach, bach bach was born of an incestuous thing with his his father's and his sister right oh so yeah it's, a, it's all an it's a wild thing. thing and when you get into box saga and you go back to how it was meant to be developed and situated it makes a lot more sense with less creepiness to it it's definitely not like southern you know first cousin kind of no, shit it's more like caligula and the royal family kind of <laughs> ancestors thing it's classier yeah that's the thing about box it, it hits on so many uh way too over the top provocative points that and that's how funny it is on that fractal level is the truth is always the needle in the haystack it's always the diamond in the rough it's always occulted and of course you hide one of as andreas said one of the most important aspects of the story is the box saga and that sound system behind it of course let's hide it behind all these fucking taboos that have just oh by coincidence have popped up around it where you can i mean we're talking about it on roots of creation but Man, every, every time we fuck every... my cousin's gonna be me and I suck my own dick. <laughs> the other the other one is yeah, Wilhelm man, Reich. Every... Wilhelm Reich has completely been they like, burned his books. They burned as many as he could. But if you oh. get get every book of Wilhelm Reich, because it's he talks about right. the sexuality of fascism, right? It sounds really racy, but it's about how they control people's minds with eventually what became advertisements, and it's brilliant. You know, Wilhelm Reich is the the next step after Bach, I would say. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to go down that rabbit hole or out of it, should I say, you know, it seems like because that's what's happening now. It seems like we're kind of all uh, it's not a rabbit hole anymore. It's more of a uncovering. Which it's a is, cracking hole, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. 
So, um, yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to get into specifically right now? I mean, I, fire away if you got anything, man. But this has been awesome so far. And I really appreciate all you guys coming on and doing this, man. I, I mean, I'm a little – I got to, like – I'm going to get off of here and I'm going to start looking up a bunch of this shit. Cause Exertus of course just spat a whole bunch of information at me. And I'm like, uh, I got to step it up a little bit and figure Damn. out what the fuck this guy's talking about a little. Cause he's, <laughs> he's got dates and his, I'm just like, shit, man. So I got some history. I got homework to do now. <laughs> yeah. Andreas has always been like the supercomputer on the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is, this, this is the best, bro. this is the best way to process this disorder that I found. I don't know. What else to <laughs> <laughs> amen to that i would say though like you guys you know do look into so some things I, I found really interesting is like uh anthony johnson is the first person to own a slave and he's a black guy from uganda who came to the united states first person in the united states to own a slave and because before this was indentured servitude only and so he was an indentured servant who came over and he brought over servants from uganda with him after he became free and a major landowner and he had a court trial and won and was able to say well because of the way laws worked in uganda that we should be able to continue this 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 line of thinking another example that was kind of interesting was i think jonathan swarthy which you know i don't think was his original name but jonathan swarthy was a man who was also he's a person of color who owned slaves in england where they hadn't allowed people to own slaves since 1066 there's the uh, bodmin manumission which is the list of all the slaves that were freed in england uh, a thousand years earlier so Basically, the reason I'm bringing this up is because he owned a white guy named John Guy. And if you look at, you'll see, if you look up John Guy, you'll only see pictures of him not getting whipped. But by the way, he got whipped in London in public square by his black owner. And then he was picked up by the house of Cecil, the, the royal family, brought to Newfoundland. And there's these pictures of him dressed as a conquistador meeting the Arawak and the, uh, the, the native tribes who were slave-owning native tribes. The Native American Confederacy at the time had slaves. So... It's interesting because I'd always seen this picture somewhere or another. I'd seen this picture probably in Scholastic or in school uh, saying, you know, hey, look at this is a manifest destiny. This is Eurocentricity. This is, you know, slavery being imposed by Europeans. But really, it's interesting to find that he had been whipped because he was a slave himself who'd been picked up during the Sir Francis Drake expeditions to the Caribbean, where, you know, taking over Cartagena and everything. So it's, it's interesting because we have this idea of slavery not to say it comes from anywhere because right, it clearly right. existed before also, but it's Eagle, really, man. it's really interesting because yeah, Anthony Johnson and then Jonathan Swarley, probably some people to check out. Yeah. It's the ego, man. It's everywhere. It, that's, I mean, I'm not trying to say there isn't like, you know, purposeful agendas going on, of course, but on that psychic level, man, there are, it's our e collective ego. That's just, it's inevitable. It's a part of us. Maybe it's the contrast we need. I don't know, but I think that we've had enough contrast. So I'm glad that we're bringing all these ideas together more and more. And you know, that you brought up something interesting there about how it was, that happened to him in public square. And yet it didn't travel far enough to to be the truth for too long. You know what I mean? Like it, it went into hiding. And only now, all these years later that we're talking about, it, it's like maybe part of this is a game of telephone while having a, you know, a party knowing what they're doing, preying upon that known game of telephone. They know for a fact, because this has happened so many times before, it only takes this amount of time for this amount of the population to forget this much of a situation. It takes this much longer for it to be completely gone. You know, maybe a lot of it was, it didn't have to be a 
massive wiping out of people or anything. Maybe they just had to put people through all this terrible psychic warfare over and over again. And eventually it just, you know, these pussies were able to hide all their, their crimes. Well, I mean, we started the show talking about Ukraine and that's like the same thing. Like, you know, six, seven years ago, Mm -hmm. Oliver Stone makes a documentary about the, what they're doing <laughs> taking over the you know the whole situation so yeah exactly, exactly. man yeah but exactly. well, then and, and then on top of that you throw antarctica in the mix right that's <laughs> the one yes. tr- one treaty that's never been broken and you, you know there's just something so fishy about antarctica and and i was listening to my buddy uh moral bob he was talking Hell with yeah. kyle from from uh big dumb podcast and they were just you know, goofing and, and brainstorming. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I kind of at times think of maybe Antarctica's where the controllers sit, you know, above us kind of Truman show style and just throw in different factors, you know, influence levels, you know, ah, they need a little bit more government. Let's throw more government in there and see how it reacts with the people. Ah, you know what? Too much government. Let's pull that away. Mm, let's throw a little war in there. You know, they, and, and they just they just announced that they found the endurance today, which is the ship of the Shackleton yes. from like hundred years ago. They just started talking about that. So when they start looking Whoa. at all the islands around Antarctica, where they're like, "Hey, there were colonies and bases here, but they're on already established colonies," and they have to start to admit, "Okay, well, yeah, the weather was different." I'm sorry, yeah. dude. That's another repeating theme because we're constantly finding ancient structures with more modern structures and less quality built on top. The seems that the more buried it is, the older and more advanced, no matter what. Alien versus Predator is real, bro. (laughs) Yes. A perfect example of that is like Sacsayhuaman, right? You have these giant megalithic stones, the massive stones, and then on top of them are built, there's like smaller bricks that you know, uh, more primitive people would have put on top of these giant stones and, and it's all over plate like Central America, right? You, yeah, man. it's Teotihuacan, Sacsayhuaman, take your Bobotoya. pick. Bobotoya yeah. is the yeah. island in AVP. They, they, they use a real island. It's controlled by the Norwegian government and it's like a military base. If you go right now on Google and you start looking for little places oh, yeah. around Antarctica, you'll see there's this thing that's not an island. But it's just a base, and there's some pictures even because they have an oil drill or something. You know, they, it's a it's a volcanic mining shaft, and there's hundreds or more around Antarctica of these companies that were associated with Epstein and Maxwell's uh, Terra Mars project, God. right? Dude, see that Jeez. that whole thing. I don't want to get off on a whole other three hour conversation, but like, <laughs> Part two. you know, you know, you want to get into like what's beyond Antarctica, right? Like some, you know, a lot of people in this community are flat earthers and I'm, I go back and forth again. It's like every day my opinion on it is different, but you know. I kind of talking outer space, the, Jeff. The cartographers I'm, all said there be dragons. That's well, what all the maps said. There right? be dragons. Beyond <laughs> what I'm saying is, rather than these controllers, like what you were saying, Matt, right? Rather than being in Antarctica, like the director of the Truman Show, right? Like that's their hub. Maybe it's what's beyond Antarctica. Maybe the 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 extraterrestrials, these beings from outer lands or extra lands. There's more. Go- there's more. So maybe it's not flat. I don't know. But there's definitely. Under, well, there's definitely not. It's definitely not solid, right? So we we've only ever gone right. 11 miles deep. The Soviets went 11 miles deep. Marianas Trench 11 miles deep. They just announced right. they're about to do another. I think it's a program uh, to go 11 miles with a supersonic thing to do a um, 
a lidar and metric scanning of what's down there right we just had the godzilla movie about uh the agartha earth, yeah. yeah inner inner earth man this idea yeah. and there's super saturated rock bbc just announced they found another c under earth so there's there's a lot oh, going yeah, on right. down there yeah. yeah and also like we have old video i think it's like even from the 90s or late 90s some documentary i think might have been a james cameron the wettest director in hollywood i think he had a documentary about getting down to the very bottom of of maybe the marianas trench or somewhere nearby and that's not even the deepest place it's the right, deepest we're right. allowed right so we he went down and they they hit this pool that I mean, it was like the Great Salt Lake, but, uh, you know, times a thousand where they literally could not penetrate into this pool that was at the very bottom. It was just very odd. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but there there was a study that was done and these scientists discovered that there were, well, I don't know what's true, right? But like they say that they discovered that there's this under, under the ground, under the crust, so many miles, like I think 400 miles down, there's like another whole ocean layer down there and that there's... Every so often, there's like this migration of of rays that happen, and they always discover these new species of rays, and they're like, where the fuck is this coming from? And they were just speculating that these rays are coming from this underground ocean that's 400 miles below the crust or whatever. And there's there's these dragon mollusks, which you they can live in 300 degrees centigrade mm-hmm. in, yeah. in arsenic pools. So the extremophiles that are living under there are dragons right like that's basically what we're they breathe literally fire because right literally have to and then they are made out of metals that they've absorbed in their bodies i mean the other thing is every single secret military base is based around some crazy tunnel structure you've got south dakota washington dc oregon take your pick every single one of them the giants mountains i mean they're all they're all secret tunnel systems and we have all these drilled tunnel systems that we've put in but i mean how many of them are already existing tunnel systems yeah you had guys like phil schneider saying that they were building the the dumbs the deep underground military bases you know on top of pre-existing you know he was saying they were extraterrestrial and I'm just thinking like maybe it's hollow earth situation or something's going on. There's definitely like, I don't know if it's Antarctica itself, but beyond Antarctica, right? Like uh, Admiral Byrd says, maybe, maybe you go a certain distance and boom, now you're in a whole other land. That's just not, mm. we're not privy to. Or something. Yeah. I like to think there's like, like extra earth, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Me too. Yeah. God gave, God gave Lampsty on uh, the crater earth dude. Like I'd like the idea of like, there's all these crater, you know? These yeah. We're just like in a puddle. Huge land. Every kid who plays Minecraft yeah. is like, duh, because as they play Minecraft, <laughs> the levels just keep yeah. So check this out. Check this out. So early in the show, we were talking about giants a little bit. I mentioned how, you know, you put something in a cage, it limits the size it's going to be able to grow. You know, you limit its area. Uh, what if the what if, what if the flat earth idea doesn't have to be completely true but somewhat true what if at some point they constructed some force doesn't have to be exactly solid but some kind of dome and they're putting it as symbolism everywhere of course but it's not necessarily the dome the firmament from the bible that encapsulates our whole realm or anything like that maybe it's this whoever is nefarious in history that had some crazy technology that enclosed us because I mean, there's so many yeah. satellites oh, satellites are space debris that they talk about is a firm mm. you cannot get through that plus the van allen belt is like pretty dangerous so enough of the ideas of the firmament makes sense it's more yeah. a question go of, fast rocket man fuck <laughs> i like the idea i kind of like the idea of like of we're like in a concave earth like on the inside Mm. and uh um, antarctic basin 
Yeah, or well, no, like the full inside. Like there's the globe. Oh, okay. we're living on oh, right. the inside, and um, you know, it explained they inverted the dome to be to think we're in a dome, but we're you know on the inside of the dome. That's and it's the same thing. There's always your we have the uh, horizons always at eye level, and they say right. we can't see curvature because the illusion, but maybe we can't see the concave because the illusion. They've just. Uh, they just turned it that, around a, on us. I don't know. Koresh Teed, Cyrus T who became Koresh. He has the Koresh uh, Florida concave earth uh, cult in the 19th century, which is where <laughs> Scientologists built their base is on top of the concave of earth. Base. And of course, right? Yeah. And L. Ron <laughs> Hubbard starts now or helps to start NASA. He's the only say. guy who didn't <laughs> ever pay income taxes, right? He won, right? Everyone always says death in taxes for everyone. Well, he got OTA and didn't pay taxes. That's impressive. But at the same time, the concave earth theory sounds weird until you think about it then you know, all of a sudden you're like wait a second we live in this reality where there's a density and we're talking about this black hole density that can have more density of light and mass in the center so in other words literally is like a virtual reality simulation where it's denser as you go into it as a for, as opposed to broader as you go away more mm. of it is in a condensed space as you go and you zoom in so we could very well be but the other thing is the electric universe theory does it really matter it might only matter because psychologically that's how they control your whole reality is yeah. what you believe i love electric yeah. universe theory you can <laughs> yeah. go in so many places with electric universe theory so we'll have to do we'll have to get this group together again maybe even more people we'll just make a massive round table out of this topic because i mean it's kind of the everything topic we found out anyway so i really appreciate you guys coming on and getting into all these different little uh subcategories of all of our our uh forced amnesia that we've been going through and I think we're coming out of it, at least to the extent that we're we're uh, we're able to. And hey, we so, are at least. <laughs> was it forced upon us by ourselves? Ah, now that's oh my that's the question, yeah, my friend. That's a question that <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Does anybody want to uh, close out with anything? Any last words? Let's go around and kind of just uh, tell everybody where you can where they can find your work. Anybody jump in. Just go for it. Not it. <laughs> Andreas, take us My away. My God, are you kidding me? All right. Well, okay. So I am doing a Vice special. Remember the Eyes of March, March 15th. I was kind of like the most <laughs> evil thing I could come up with. And it, felt like, it felt like Obi-Wan Kenobi going through the Death Star, and no one knew anybody because the thing is they Disney and people bought them, so they don't know what they're doing anymore. <laughs> so it's great. I, I completely manipulated them. Please check it out. I think oh, you'll yeah. laugh pretty hard at what I can't got away with. Awesome. But also, like check out Exertus and go to Exertus.com. Blah, blah, blah. Sweet. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you joining us, dude. Casey, tell them where they can find you. Uh, Golden Gate Starport Command on Instagram, on YouTube as well. I'm just a regular ass fucking dude. I ain't trying to write no books or make money. So <laughs> you, could, you could hit me up, whatever. I'm down to talk. But I'm stoked to be here, man. All you guys. I've watched all your shows, listen to all your shows. I could listen to Andres all fucking day, all night. <laughs> so I'm just stoked to be in the same room here, man. So well, I'm stoked to you. have you again here, man. And one thing that we didn't get into, and I'm sure we could but let's hold off until next time is your work that you brought into uh, the deep share the last time where we got into the city beautiful movement. And I know you've oh, told yeah, me yeah. that, that you found more of course, since then. So we'll have to dig into that more. So oh, yeah. for sure, Jeff, thank you so much. We finally did an episode together. Yeah, man. We've been 
bouncing around each other for a while, but uh, <laughs> it's good to do it. Even though we talk all the time. It's, yeah, it's, I know. It's, you know <laughs> Play video yeah, no. games and shit. Yeah, right. No, it's cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Or yeah, I appreciate you coming on my show, man. Uh, it's been great. No, appreciate you having me, man. It's good to see all these guys. Good to meet Casey and Exertus finally. Shane, it's always good to see you. Matt, of course, good to see you as well. But yeah, you can find me, Shadow Band Podcast. It's that easy. Search it, you'll find it. It's not a hard one. So what an irony. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man. And Shane, you know, I feel like we could have extended this a couple hours and gone into the question you dropped at the end there. <laughs> Is it all of ourselves? Is it, you know, that endless game of telephone we're playing as as one species together, right? You know, some of us bad, some of us good, whatever. But anyway, I appreciate you being here, man. And we're going to be doing a lot more shows together, obviously. Tell the people where they can find you. What's up? Uh, I didn't say much tonight, but that's because uh, I'm not uh, too studied up on history. But, you know, I've had a lot of psychedelic experiences and can extrapolate things into that realm. Yeah. So if you want to hear psychedelic experiences and just uh, crazy fun stuff, Come check me out. I knew some, but I didn't know it all. Pod, it's uh no no K in the in the newsome. Gotcha. Thank yeah. you, man. I'm on Instagram. I knew some pod. Sweet dude. Thank you again for. But coming yeah, on. thanks for having me. Yeah, shit, dude. <laughs> Andres, <laughs> freaking great to be in your presence, man. Casey and Matt, great to meet you guys. Matt, I listen to you all the time. That's basically where I get of all of my history recently it's from matt <laughs> hell yeah dude all right and, and matt amazing. we finally get, got to do a show together i really appreciate you coming on man and uh man we've done a, you know you've had me on your uh your monday night show before and that was awesome and uh yeah thank you so much for coming on here man and let the people know where they can find you yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. It's an honor. I've I've been listening to you for a while now, and uh, I'm Little the new man. guy on the block here when it comes to podcasts. So uh, it, it's it's great to to meet you, Shane and and Andreas. I've I've heard you on multiple shows, and like Casey said, I can't get enough, man. I, I love the work that you do. So keep it up. And uh, yeah, you can find me on the Great Deception podcast, uh, any podcast platform. I got a little YouTube channel. I'm starting to build up, and then. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, branch out a little this year, but we got, I got, I got the, the show itself. And then like you mentioned, the Monday night master debaters where we get, you know, three to four guys together and just uh, go in with no, no topic, see where oh, a yeah. show takes us. And and those are always the most fun. So oh, yeah. uh, any of you guys ever want to hop on, please don't hesitate to reach out. I, I'm always looking for people to hop on with us. So thank you, man. Yeah. And it's, don't it's be a shy. Great time. That's the best format anyway, you know? And Matt's done tons of great work. So please go check out his podcast, man. It's been great talking to you. And yeah, we'll have to do a one-on-one -on -one sometime soon and dig into our baseball, our love of baseball, because I grew up playing baseball, man. So we'll have a lot to talk about that the listeners will be like, when are they getting to some Babe Ruth like conspiracy? What's happening here? Why are they just fucking geeking out on baseball? Well, we'll, have to, we'll have to bring Michael Juan on because he crushed baseball for me with all the Freemasonry and shit that he does. Dude. And I'm like, I remember oh, man, nothing's pure anymore. <laughs> I remember taking yeah, acid and watching that Ken Burns documentary on Ty Cobb and it completely changed my life life <laughs> holy shit i've never seen that i'm gonna have to do that <laughs> that's great all right guys well everybody thank you for checking out this epic round table of epic proportions about the state of our amnesia right now in the world and uh, i think it's getting better but who knows 
We'll see what happens tomorrow and the next day and during the next reset, whatever. So thank you, everybody. Thank you all. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, pacifarian. Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>